This is Talk Vegan, a show about innovators, entrepreneurs, idealists, and the stories behind their movements. I'm Ari Scrolla, and on today's show, I have the beautiful Karen Asp joining us. She is the woman who wrote the book on anti-aging hacks, and I am so excited to hear what she has to say. So, welcome, Karen Asp. I'm reading, you're an award-winning journalist who specializes in fitness, health, nutrition, travel, and pets. You're a regular contributor to a dozen of leading publications, including one of my favorites, Veg News. Yes. Um, Yeah, USA Today, Weight Watchers, Women's Day. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And then, of course, your book, Anti-Aging Hacks. I have to say... I try to read one book a, a month that pertains to the subject that I'm really interested in right. and um, and during, you know, in that particular time. So I've always been really interested in wellness as it pertains to beauty and wow. especially as I age and I find myself more and more curious about how I can preserve my skin. <laughs> <laughs> and so as luck would have it, about a year ago, I was strolling um, down an aisle at Barnes and Nobles and I saw anti-aging hacks and I didn't even, I literally, I didn't even open the book. <laughs> I just picked it up and I went to the cash wrap and I bought it. Cause I'm like, there's, that, there's, there's 200 ways to look right. and feel good and younger. Like why, why wouldn't you pick it up? Oh, all right. So, thank you. Um, Yes, yes. And then, of course, I've had it for about a year. There's like coffee stains in the middle of it. Like I bookmarks love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I'm so thrilled that you agreed to be on my show. Oh, Ari, I'm um, honored to have been asked. I always love talking about anything, healthy living, aging better and being vegan. All of those things combined are what drives me. It's my passion. It's my purpose and the more I can help people just live healthier, happier, et cetera, the better off I am. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, I, I feel like we're the same in that aspect. <laughs> I, I, that's my main goal yeah. my mission is to not only take care of myself, health and wellness and beauty and, you know, working out all of that, but I also aspire to inspire other people just yes. by example and I think you you really are living living out your truth and through this book and all of the you know contributions that you've had with um you know the publication so I want to I want to get into I ask this with everybody that I yeah. interview is I want to start from the beginning where did you grow up what did you want to do when you got older where did you go to school? Take us, take us back a little bit. Oh, Ari, I'll give you a shortened version, but uh, I grew up in upstate New York um, and always thought that I wanted to write, uh, wanted to be an author, and I would get the funny looks from my parents like, oh no, what is she actually going to do? Um, I was a bookworm. I loved to read. I loved to write. Um, I also loved to move. And at the time I thought I was going to be a gymnast, um, but I kind of grew a little too tall and I never had flexibility on my side. So it was a pie in the sky dream that would never fit. But the writing, however, stuck with me. And when I was in, uh, I studied Uh, journalism and literature in college and then at Miami of Ohio and then went on to do a master's in literature 
at Indiana University thinking that I was going to be a PhD English lit professor until I got talking to some of my professors who said, it may not be such a great choice. So I kind of rerouted myself and uh, decided to uh, really focus on the writing. And I started in advertising and hated it so much that I went out on my own freelance and picked up advertising clients. But really, Ari, I was also at the time teaching fitness and I was uh, doing personal training. I've been an athlete ever since I was a little girl. So my parents, I'm very fortunate and blessed to have had parents who really encouraged movement. They have always been very active and still Um, you know, they still bike and walk a lot and things like that. But um, so I wanted a way, so I was kind of always doing all of that, but I was really passionate about teaching fitness. I was really passionate about moving, super passionate about writing. And I thought, how can I combine all of those things? And the silliest thing is that I remember being in the airports when we would, you know, just flying and I I don't know why this was my benchmark, but I was like, I just want to write for all of the magazines that are in the airports. Certainly you can find them in the bookstores too, but I don't know why. Just so anyway, so it was really fun. So I just started going after the magazines and, um, uh, you know, start small, starting with fitness, trade journals, things like that for personal trainers and other fitness professionals. And then from there it grew to kind of a national audience. Shape was actually the first one way back in the day that took me nationally And once that happened, that really opened up the doors. I could drop all of the advertising claims that I really didn't like working on. And I could focus solely on what I had gone to school for, which was journalism, but also focus on the passion uh, side of things. And that was really fitness, health, and nutrition. Um, Since then, I've added pets and travel. Those are also passions of mine. So those are really the five specialties that I focus my writing on. And from Shape Magazine, it just grew And I'm extremely fortunate to um, have really experienced such success. I don't live in New York, as many people were like, oh, you've got to be in New York City to write for these magazines. Um, But that wasn't the case. So I was able to really, again, kind of make a headway into the major magazines. Um, Way back when, I was fitness columnist for Allure magazine. I've been a contributing editor for Women's Day. Currently, I handle the pet content for Better Homes and Gardens. That's one of my regular gigs. I'm also a regular contributor and uh, on the masthead for Veg News. But then, as you mentioned, Ari, and very graciously so, I write for so many other publications. So you'll find me in O and Real Simple and Prevention. Forks Over Knives is a big one that I write for as well. So really, just all of these magazines. And again, the focus is, again, just getting the word out about healthier living. I'm really curious at how, so walk me back with, with the first uh, magazine company that you collaborated with. How did you get, how did you break through the door, especially not living in New York City? How did you get them to agree to allow you to write for their magazine? Oh, Ari, well, in the magazine world, we talk about pitching and querying and things like that. So really, it was just me knocking on the door by email and Actually, I will date myself here. This is before we really had emails. So I used to have to send queries in the mail, which I know sounds absolutely insane right now. But the queries would be the pitches. So I would study the magazines and kind of figure out what they wanted, um, you know, what they were doing. And I would send pitches to the editors. And one pitch after another pitch after another pitch after another pitch uh, led to really successful pitching. And 
opened, like I said, opened the doors when Shape took me. And then right after that, I had been pitching Fitness Magazine, which is unfortunately one of the publications that has since disappeared. But I was pitching them super, super hard. And finally, it was a good idea that I had. And so the magazine was very interested. But also, when I got a call from the editor, editor she said, Karen, you have been so incredibly she didn't call it pesky, and I wouldn't say you should ever be pesky, but she said persistent about pitching that we'd like to give you a try. So <laughs> that was kind of how it happened, Ari, and that's really still how it happens today. A lot of people um, will have internships with magazines, things like that. Others will just come into it kind of the way that I did. It's getting a little bit tougher these days, and also print magazines are not doing quite as well as they were, say, 10 years ago. Uh, the, the online world is certainly coming on board instead, but there, there's still room out there. And since then, Ari, I've been able to even tweak it more because, you know, 10 years ago, I went vegan, and 10 years before that, I was really leaning into, you know, vegetarianism. And so it's been a fantastic road to now combine that passion into my writing as well. So, yeah, being vegan or plant-based really allows you to have, create more material for your writing. I think, Mm -hmm. I would think Mm -hmm. Um, it, it opens a discussion. So speaking of plant-based and vegan everybody has their transition story what what made you go vegan well it took and I'm gonna say the same thing that many other people have said Ari which is I wish I would have done it sooner but that being said when I look back at it it's the most it's the accomplishment right now in life and I've had many that I am so incredibly proud of. I'm most proud of it. But what happened way back in uh, early 2000s, I was teaching fitness. And at the time, I was very enmeshed in the fitness world. So doing a lot of advertising work for a lot of the big trainers, things like that. We talked and I was at conferences and things like that. And in the fitness world, we always talked about eating clean. And eating clean, shockingly, in my head now, meant, well, you eschewed red meat for lean ground turkey, let's just say. Uh, instead of, you know, the ground ground beef, you would choose the lean ground turkey and making sure that it was 99% fat, I mean, all these crazy things. So I was really, really cleaning up my diet. Um, but I also had an incident where I was at a conference and had fueled fine, eaten fine. There was nothing that was out of the ordinary and I fainted. I hit my head on the floor and had a skull fracture. They say that about 30% of fainting cases have no identifiable cause and that was the case in, in my situation. The skull fracture though, Ari, in a weird way knocked out my um, smell and taste for a while. And I really hadn't been eating red meat, like at all. I grew up on the standard American diet, and ironically, like one of my favorite meals as a kid was this weird concoction that my family came up with, which is steak on toast. That was my birthday meal every year, and probably should have, I don't know how many years it cut off of me, but uh, anyway, that was steak on toast, and I grew up with, you know, mac and cheese. My mom would use spam in the mac and cheese, so I was, I was really on the standard American diet, but 
back then when I had the fainting incident, I really had cut out red meat. But afterward, my husband and I were out to dinner and nobody kind of warned me about all these things that were going on when you have a concussion and a skull fracture and got really, really depressed, wasn't eating that much. And, and we were at a, I don't even know why, but we were at a dinner and, and steak was on the menu and I ate, I said, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'll try it. Um, and I had a bite of it, Ari, and the only thing I could think of, again, this is no flavor, no taste, no nothing. The only thing I could think of was that I was chewing a dead animal. And it just, I put down my... Hey guys, before we go any further, I want to tell you about my favorite beauty obsession right now, and that is the Summer Fridays Jet Lag Mask by Mariana Hewitt, who is a huge beauty and style blogger. I've been following her for years, and when she finally announced that she was coming out with her own beauty product, I didn't even hesitate for a moment to go and buy it because I knew it would be good. And I've been using it for a year and my skin hasn't looked better and it's all due in part because of this product. So I'll use it as an overnight mask or I'll put it underneath my makeup and use it as a primer. And because it's translucent, I like to wear it alone. It makes my skin look really dewy and fresh and natural and glowy without that shine. Summer Fridays works like a miracle for dry skin too in the wintertime because it's packed with so many of those vitamins and antioxidants, all those um, exfoliant extracts that you need, especially in the wintertime. Um, even after one use, your skin already looks renewed and radiant. The holidays are around the corner, guys, and if you are looking for a great gift to give anyone, men included, I highly recommend this gift. They will thank you for literally a lifetime. The easiest way to purchase is through the Summer Fridays website, and make sure you tell them Ari sent you. After I had the skull fracture, right after that, my husband and I went to Austria and did some hiking. And again, it was one of those amazing hikes where blue sky, awesome weather, gorgeous scenery. And often in hiking in Europe, when hiking in Europe, you hear the cowbells and you see the cows. They're free ranging in many cases, but they're often just out exploring and at the end of our hike, I had been really honing in on these bells. And when I got to the top, I met several cows. And as I communicate with animals, I like to chat with them in my head and say hello. And thanks for being in this world. And I kind of went over to one cow in particular, and I made a pact with that cow. And I said, you know, I will never eat you or your friends again. And that already started the journey so that red meat was completely out chicken, etc. I held on to fish for just a little bit. And I also, the biggest thing that most people struggle with is the dairy. So the dairy was the last thing for me to take out of my diet. And one of the reasons being my husband and I, when we travel or even when we're out, we don't like, especially when traveling to have any food waste. So leftovers, not always easy. So we always split a margarita pizza with a salad and that had to end. And it took my husband a little bit of getting used to, but I held on to the dairy for a long time, a while just to, but once I started investigating and kind of looking into 
why dairy wasn't good for us, why we've been oversold and, and miscommunicated this message about dairy, and especially how much the animals in the dairy industry suffer. I could no longer participate in any of it. And so, yeah, that's kind of what got me to being fully vegan. And by fully vegan, again, not using, not consuming animals. So what I say right now is that I follow a plant-only diet and a vegan lifestyle. That is such a beautiful story. I I don't think I've ever heard of a, a more gentle story about transitioning oh, into thanks, veganism. <laughs> it yeah, that that's to to be able to even communicate with animals and 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 a cow especially and and reassure them that mm-hmm. you're their friend and not their enemy. I think it's so important because animals have a language yes. of their own. They understand and it's more of like an energetic um language that they they speak they feel us and um it's so important to i think to be gentle to to animal all i agree Ari, and that's why so that's that's really really i think the um you know there are many reasons now that i follow this lifestyle Um, certainly animals will always be my number one there's health there's the environment there's the social injustice issues but one of the things Ari, that really drives me is a mantra and it's very familiar i didn't make it up but it's friends not food and that is splashed i have a lapskin um i don't know what do you call it a laptop cover um for my laptop that has that on it my cell phone case is friends not food i have a yoga mat coming that's friends not food um and i say that to everybody are these are these I items that you sell online no, or they're them, your personal you items? I buy them online and oh, it's, okay. it's great because That's when you travel idea. or when you just, let's say you take your laptop and my laptop is always hooked on my hip basically. So in fact, I will often take it. Um, I, I mean, it's always with me when I travel, but even when I'm out, you know, I'll take my office, I work from home. So I'll take it out to a coffee shop just to see people and things like that and work in a different environment. But the laptop case is up and friend, you know, people can certainly read it when they look at the case and it's inspired a lot of interesting conversations. But I've also had a lot of people who say, and actually just recently I was on a trip and I'm often traveling with other journalists and they were veg curious, I would say, but they said to me, don't you miss anything about the animal, you know, the foods, like the bacon, the steak. And I just took my cell phone case. I didn't have my laptop actually with me. It was dinner. I took my cell phone case and I just kind of put it up to them. And I said, this is the mantra I live by. I don't see them as, as food. These are friends in the same way that I would never eat my dog, that I would never eat my cat. I will never, ever eat an animal. They are friends and they are not food. They are not, they are not ours to take. Um, but I agree with you. They have all of the emotions, all of the everything that, that, um, that we attribute to dogs and cats, let's say. So, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely no difference between a dog or a cow or a cat mm-hmm. and a chicken. They all are sentient beings and they all deserve to live. They have this will to live. So right. I think it's beautiful that you actually carry, um, you know, 
slogans on your laptop and on your, you know, your phone case and all that. I think it really does help. Maybe not in a direct way, but in a subconscious way, people see yeah. it and and they they'll think about it for just a quick second. And I think it's important to lead by example. Right. As vegans, there's there's you have several different types of vegans that are out there that are activists. You have the ones that are really um, very forceful or pushy, or I'll use the word that you used earlier, pesky about right. <laughs> moving people in, you know, into this vegan movement. But my approach is a little bit different. It sounds like your approach is um, very similar in that, that you want to raise awareness in a gentle way and, right. you know, invite people if they're very curious or even just a slight bit curious about what being plant-based is all about, then you, you know, can offer some information. But um, I think that the tools like wearing t-shirts and, and putting, you know, stickers on your laptop and your, you know, your water bottle. I think those things help. They help a ton, Ari. And that's a good point. Cause I've met a lot of, a lot of vegans and many vegans, me included came into this for the animals. And it's really, really tough on a daily basis to think about how many animals are being slaughtered for really no need. And then what, what, what really, really breaks my heart even more is not only are they first slaughtered inhumanely, needlessly, and suffer tremendously, but then you look at the plates and people are perhaps only finishing half their burger, mm -hmm. not taking that burger home with them. I certainly don't want animals to be eaten. I don't want people eating animals for many reasons, their health included. But if you've chosen to eat an animal, it just, I don't know what it is, Ari, but when I see that burger, that steak, that whatever it may be, that piece of chicken going into the trash, it just breaks my heart even more to think that animal has now really, I mean, again, wasted its life twice. And one of the things, again, that I think is so important really is leading by, by example. And again, you for those of us who are in it for the animals, it's really, really hard not to be like, oh my gosh, what the hell are you people doing? Like, why yeah. are you eating animals? Why are you, why do you continue this? It's really, really hard. But what I've learned is that we're not going to get people to even reduce their meat intake if we are that vicious and militant about it. And so the, the classic line of leading by the carrot and not the stick is really where I come down on it. And it's been an interesting journey, Aria, because again, I get into with the travel that I do frequently for my career, I'm often in groups and it's often groups of journalists. And I'm always, except for one trip that I've taken in my whole entire career, I'm the only journalist who's vegan. Um, so I'm with these people for four to eight to 12 days, depending on it. It just depends on the length of the trip. And we're eating lunch and dinner together, sometimes breakfast together too. So we're talking, they get to see me eat a lot. I don't mean a lot of food. I do eat a lot of food, but they see frequently what I'm eating. And what's really interesting is without even, you know, being forceful on them, we'll get into conversations about, well, why are you not eating dairy or why are you not, you know, 
what's up with honey? Like, why, you know, why wouldn't you eat such and such? Or what would you eat instead of this? And it's really interesting because they get to see what the chefs are doing if there's not a vegan option on the menu. And so after the few days, I have had more people already say to me or write to me afterward in an email, hey, Karen, you know what? Thanks so much. It was great meeting you, blah, blah, blah. Just want to let you know we're going to follow Meatless Monday now, or we're going to do meatless in January, as I just had three people on a recent trip tell me, or, you know, we're going to do try the one meal a day that you suggested um, to, to be, uh, to be only plants. And so it's really, again, you don't have to, you shouldn't, I certainly was that militant vegan at first who tried to really beat my family into thinking this way to get my, all my friends on board. And it it just doesn't work. It backfires. People feel threatened. And then they say, Oh, I'm just going to go eat more meat as a result. (laughs) Yeah. When people come to you and tell you how much you have impacted their life, um, and change the way that they um, see food. That's such a rewarding feeling. It's so it's such a satisfying feeling for me, and I I would imagine for you as well. Um, and you're you're around a lot of people a lot because you you know you travel so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to find out about your trips and how do you make your journalism and travel combined uh, a career. So, Ari, so one of the things that I specialize in is travel, and so it kind of gets tagged a lot with the health and wellness. So a lot of the magazines I write for, a lot of the publications, um, I will write about the trips. And so I'm very fortunate. There are press trips and things like that that journalists often get invited on, and so that happens to me frequently. So I've been able to, again, write about not only my health bent, all of my fitness, health, nutrition, and pets too, but also the travel side of things. And so it can be, it's really exciting now to travel the world as a vegan. I mean, 10 years ago, it was really a little bit difficult. I remember yeah. I had just switched over to, um, to being this way, to going vegan when I was, uh, in Paris and Paris, uh, way back when not so, not so, uh, vegan friendly. I have not yet been back Ari and I have, Many firsthand accounts that uh, heard from, I shouldn't say firsthand, secondhand, many colleagues and friends have said, you have got to get back there because it is such a different landscape. But um, yeah, I've just been able to combine the two and um, it's been a good way to see the world and to see what other cultures are doing with the vegan movement and how they're embracing um, you know, a reducitarian or a flexitarian approach, even if they're not going fully vegan. It's been fascinating to see. You just came back from um, Israel. Is I, that right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and did, what, I, I've heard that Israel is like the Mecca for uh, vegans and plant-based eaters. So tell me about your experience. What was the best thing that you ate there? Well, I'm just going to have to say the hummus. I mean, I am a, <laughs> as I say to people, I'm a hummus sapien. And so hummus is part of my daily diet. But when I was over there, Ari, they don't claim to be the birthplace of hummus and or hummus, as many of them will say. Egypt, from what I learned from many locals, is where it's often credited as the birthplace, but Israel likes to say that they have perfected it. And just depending on what uh, culture, whether it's Jewish, um, 
the Muslims, they make our hummus slightly different, but I'm going to have to say that some of the best dishes were the shakshuka hummus, which not only pulled in the hummus, but also put it over their spicy, sort of spicy, but spiced tomato stew. And it was a vegan version of it. So that was fantastic. But called the culinary cuisine there leans really vegetarian vegan to start with. So the falafel, the hummus, the pita, the salads and things like that really are vegan to start. And then many times they'll add the meat, let's say on top of um, a hummus dish or something like that. So, Oh my gosh, that sounds delicious. My mouth is literally watering <laughs> as you're describing this. It's, I would highly recommend it. And I actually, it was in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem for just uh, Tel Aviv for just a little bit, but both of those places, amazing vegan. I mean, you, you, you will not believe just how much there is there. And again, their, their main dishes, falafel, hummus, all that good stuff, lean, they are vegan to begin with. So um, yeah, so it's, it's easy these days to travel the world as a vegan. So, yeah. And so you were in Israel. What was your work there? You were writing what particular, um, article were you writing for? You know, Ari, so what I usually do is wait until after a trip to pitch okay. editors. So my whole yeah. bent there was to go on a hummus or hummus crawl. So I certainly ate my fair share of hummus. And in fact, when I was entering the country and I was talking to the officials at the um, you know, border control and passport control. I said, oh, I'm coming to your country and I'm going to eat as much hummus as I can. And then one of the guys looked at me and he said, yeah, no, it's really heavy. I'm like, I know, but <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so be on the lookout for hummus stories from me down hopefully soon. So I love hummus. So when you came back to the States, did you feel like you had lost any weight or gained any weight? No, Ari, I mean, it's really not, um, for me, again, being a plant-only eater, it's really easy not to gain weight. Now, if you're following yeah. a, let's say, junk food vegan diet, super easy to gain weight. <laughs> but oh, yeah. one of the things with travel, um, I keep all of my health, um, healthy habits kind of going. And again, when you eat only plants, we all know, those of us who are eating only plants, you can really eat a lot of plants and not have to worry about it. Now, certainly you have other things that factor in, and that meaning I might indulge my vegan side. So I might have a few of those vegan, let's say, sweets and treats that are out. Um, certainly I enjoy craft beer, and so I might have some brewery, um, visits as well. So, you know, the weight does, but no, generally no, Ari. Again, I think if you are eating only plants and if you're keeping up at least some form of, you know, activity is so important for all of us. And one of the things that I really strive to, to help people with, especially, um, I'm a vegan mentor, vegan coach with PETA. Um, I certainly have had my fair share of personal client, personal training clients throughout the years as well. And I, do a little bit of mentoring just for people who are, um, you know, asking me. But one of the things I always say is it's not just about what you're eating. Um, if we talk about compassion for all, compassion for all starts with 
ask compassion for all animals. We are an animal. It starts with us. And so I, you know, I meet a lot of um, vegans who are eating a really junk food vegan diet. So they're harming their health. They might be smoking. They might be not exercising. They might be extremely overweight. None of that. If they're working on behalf of animals and would like to help change this world, we need people to stay as healthy as they can so that they can continue fighting this fight. And so I, I'm a big proponent of, for all of us, moving as much as possible. And it's not just daily activities. So walking to the mailbox, walking your dog, taking that coffee break and walking a little bit further down the hallway, um, maybe climbing up to the second floor to go to the bathroom versus the bathroom on your, you know, your main floor where you work, that sort of thing. It's not just daily activity, but it's also the structured activity. So one of the things when I travel is I still maintain all of that. It's, I don't perhaps maybe have as much time to do my workouts. But if I have, let's say, 10 minutes where I can do structured exercise, maybe that's even just running up and down stairs, whether it's outside, inside, wherever, wherever it might be, if the gym isn't really suitable, or maybe it is popping into the gym for 10 minutes and just huffing and puffing, you know, getting a really, really good sweat. It's also, though, being as active as possible. So when traveling moving as much as you can. So standing more than sitting, taking, again, making your feet be your main mode of transportation, uh, standing on the subway um, instead of sitting all the time, again, standing as much as possible. And our, one of my favorite things is I have a no elevator policy when I travel, unless necessary, unless you're carrying bags up to your room or you're on the 40th floor and you're going to get locked out somewhere, or you're on the 10th floor, the second floor even, um, well, not the second floor, but something like that where you're going to get locked out. So I use the stairs um, as much as I can as well. And that, and, and also to wearing a tracker helps keep the activity up. And these are things that people can do just even in their daily life, not when you're traveling, only traveling, I should say. Yeah, those are really good um, hacks when you're trying to stay fit while you're traveling. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, I, I have to have a consistent schedule on my workout. I have to do at least one hour of cardio and one hour of either yoga or Pilates or something to strengthen out, you know, lengthen out my muscles. Right. Um, And if I, if I skip a couple of days, I can feel it. I can, I really, I feel out of whack. So it's, it's super important to, even when I travel um, to stay on my, Mm -hmm. on my workout. Yeah. And it's the same way, Ari, as I say, you know, often with, you know, planning workouts, schedule them in, even if you're traveling, even if you're at home, look at your calendar and schedule them in. Same way that I often tell people who have trouble kind of maybe maintaining this, you know, a, a, a plant only, or, you know, if you're following the vegan book, a plant only diet, anything you can do to plan it out. You know, you might not have the fruits and vegetables on hand. So maybe on Sunday night, Plan out what your weekly meals are going to be. Plan out your exercise schedule so that you know if you have to go to the grocery store to get, you know, the bok choy or the spinach or whatever it is that you're eating to help you stay on track. And therefore, then you don't fall into the the habit of using perhaps some of the more processed vegan foods that would, you know, just be easy to heat up and serve and things like that. Certainly, they're great for transitions and they're great for times when you're super, super crunched but shouldn't be a regular staple. So yeah, scheduling is great for not only the exercise, but also the eating part too. 
Super, super important um, to uh, plan out your diet, plan out what your I hate the word diet, by the way. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> <laughs> it's super, super important to plan out, you know, what you're going to eat throughout the week. I do that every week. I make sure I know exactly what I'm going to eat. I have, I've been doing this intermittent fasting mm-hmm. for a while yeah. and I find it to be really helpful. I, and it, it gives me a bit of clarity in my mind. I feel lighter. Um, and I'm not distracted. I'm not like, oh, what am I going to eat? What this or what time? Um, what am I going to have for breakfast? Right. What am I going to have for lunch? What am I going to like? I already know that this is the meal that I'm going to eat, and um, that's the meal that I'm actually right. going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's well, and it's, I. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that one of the things too that the scheduling. I was just going to say it brought to mind. I another thing that I, you know, like to kind of tell people too, is keep your why in mind as well. So if you're ever struggling with the exercise, with any habit change, any habit change, or transitioning to a plant-only diet, keep your why in mind. Why am I doing this? Why is this important to me? And always come back to that so that if you're having trouble, let's say the schedule falls apart that day and you're like, oh no, my, you know, lunch date totally fell through to the place that we're going to try out and I've only got a quick minute and I've got to grab something that's, you know, why are you interested in eating a plant only diet? Why are you interested in exercising? So just as equally important as the scheduling is again, keeping that why in mind, because it's easy, especially in today's society where the majority of people do eat meat. The majority of people are not moving. It's easy to fall back into old habits and, and kind of, again, not push down that path that you're trying to go down. So, Sure. And I think that, um, I think that it's becoming easier and easier for people to become plant-based mm-hmm. or vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's becoming more mainstream. And um, I said this on my lap, well, the first podcast that I did is that when I was growing up, there was, and I, I mentioned earlier, I lived in Oklahoma as a child and there's nothing but farms that I, I was 12 years old when I became vegan and, or not vegan, uh, vegetarian. Wow. Yeah. And there was, there was not very many options as we have today. So I feel, I feel like the world is opening up more and more each day, mm-hmm. um, being more open to veganism and a plant base. Before I forget, because we're about to run out of time here, yeah. I, and I knew that we would. <laughs> so, you're such an interesting person. So oh, thank you. we have so, so many things to talk about. Um, but I really want to get into your book before we end. Thank you. And, yeah. Um, there's a lot of there's 200 to be specific, 200 anti-aging hacks. Um, what would you say is the most important, um, hack in your book? I mean, there's so many, oh, there's, geez, sorry. The, <laughs> there's like taking vitamin C there is, um, you know, sleep on your back, which is a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I actually, I have a, a not a silk pillow, but an polyester pillow yeah. um, that I sleep on to prevent wrinkles and, you know, wearing your sunscreen, making sure that's even, um, you know, not, not too many chemicals in there. There's, you know, there's, there's so many hacks. So <laughs> tell me about what's, what is your 
favorite hack in your book? Ari, that's like, you know what I'm going to say. It's like asking a parent to pick their favorite child. Um, <laughs> and if they have more than one child, um, it would be hard. There are 248 hacks in here, to be honest. And although it's oh. not a, it's not denoted as a vegan book, it is uh, through the lens of my well, I should say it's through my lens. And so everything in here is vegan, um, but it's not marketed as such. That being said, there are so many great things. And I think that if I were to try to pick one, I think I would pick one category. And that is to say, this is, it encompasses diet, fitness, lifestyle, beauty, and if we're talking about anti-aging, we know that the way, the path to a higher quality plus higher quantity, so not only how long you live, but also what quality of life you're living is all linked to what you put in your mouth. And many experts have already walk the path before me to say this, but when you think about how often you eat three times a day, times seven days a week, times, I'm not a mathematician, but everybody can do the math. That's a lot of, a lot of eating times. And I think that the number one thing that you can do is change the diet. And so it, it, again, if I had one thing to say, Dr. Greger has, you know, eat the daily dozen, which I certainly embrace leafy greens, get those leafy greens in, get your beans in, and every single day have several servings of leafy greens and beans. We know that the blue zones, people in those longest living areas of the world, eat about a cup of beans a day per research that Dan Buettner has, has done. And the leafy greens, so key for heart health, for brain health. I actually start off with every morning a huge plate of sauteed spinach, just a little drizzle balsamic on the top and a little um, topping of uh, spicy kimchi on it. So again, I think that probably my favorite things would be to change the diet. My second favorite thing would be to maybe move a little bit more. Again, if you can't do structured activity, think about not sitting as much. So every 30 minutes, Every 60, if 30 is too much, get up for at least five minutes. And maybe again, that's to go get more water to drink so that in the next half hour, you're probably going to have to get up if you've drank that water because now you have to go to the bathroom. The other thing I would say, sleep, hugely important. So prioritize sleep. That's a huge anti-aging. We know that, again, yes. everything happens during sleep. So seven to nine hours is critical. That's what research and experts all recommend. Make that your priority. I don't care what you have to do. And then, Ari, the other thing that I have come to learn, especially through my, I will be very proud to say my 50 years, and I was just up for the PETA's, you know, sexiest vegan over 50, didn't make it, yes. but, uh, but didn't win, <laughs> but it was great to be a finalist. But what I have learned is that having a life purpose is crucial. Everything I've just talked about is also crucial as well, but studies bear out that if you don't have a purpose, your life won't be as high quality and as high quantity. So really finding that purpose, and it doesn't mean that you have to know it today, but it means that you're on the search for it. And so every day you wake up with that purpose, with that passion, and you don't let it die. It can change as you age, but it needs to be there even as you age. So those would be my... I don't think I narrowed it down to one favorite, but I give you a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's so hard to choose. There's so many, but I think that 
the first one, um, those are beautiful, by the way, the, those, those three hacks. Uh, but the, the first one that you mentioned, I think it's on page 82. If you guys have the book, um, it's, <laughs> hack, it's hack 076. It's the eat the daily dozen, yeah. which I think is so important. You eat your beans, you eat your grains, you eat your berries, other fruits, greens. Um, and, and Dr. Greger, who you mentioned, mm-hmm. is a n- nutrition researcher and a healthy eating guru. Um, and then you guys can find his information at nutritionfacts.org. Mm-hmm. Um, t- how long did it take you to, do, to research this book? Oh, good question. It took a few months. It was really a fast turnaround. The publisher came to me and knew about my health writing and my background in this space and said, ah, can you write it? I think that we put it together. All right, I have to go back and look, but I think it was, it was quick. It was like a four or five month period, um, to research it, to put it together. And it's a really quick turnaround for a book, but I took it because I knew that I could have my vegan lens on it. And I say that because there are other journalists who might have taken this project from the um, publishing company and Simon and Schuster is my parent company. It's under Adams media as the actual publisher. They might've taken things a little bit differently. And so when this fell into my lap, it was instantly evident to me that I could really shape the things. um, And again, put out that plant only vegan lifestyle message in a non-threatening way. So yeah, I think it took a few months, but I would have preferred longer, but it just needed to come together quickly. <laughs> well, that you've weaved in um, the idea or the importance of a plant-based diet into your book and such is really brilliant. And I hope that when people pick up your book and, and read your book, that they're inspired to live a plant-based yes. diet. Um, and it's, and it's not in your face. It's just, you know, a sprinkle here and there. <laughs> and yeah, I appreciate it. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Tell everybody where they could order your book or find you, all, your Instagram handles, all of that. Sure, Ari. So the easiest way is to find me, first of all, is my website is karenasp.com. And that's K-A-R-E-N-A-S-P.com. I got teased about that a lot when I was a kid. That is... You know, there are lots of comments mm. with your last name being Asp, but it has been very good. <laughs> and actually, I have to say I'm very famous because I'm in an R.E.M. song. And a long time ago, R.E.M. was hey, my favorite. But anyway, so KarenAsp.com, my Twitter and Instagram. And I put up tons of stuff about healthy living, not only links to my articles or announcement about my articles, but studies. I'm constantly pushing out information. Um, that's at Karen Asp Writer. And they can, you can find my book at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can order it online. You can find it in the stores. You can go to my website and find links to buy it. So yeah. And if anybody ever has questions, I'm super easy to reach. Um, My email and everything like that is all on my website. So I'm always happy to answer questions, to field questions. And I'll just put in a little plug, Ari, if you don't mind, for those of you who are looking to go vegan or at least move toward that direction, I'll remind everybody that PETA has a fantastic free mentor program. Now, there are certainly other things that you could do. So uh, PCRM has a 21-day kickstart. 
that is constantly going on that you can join. And if you're listening to this anytime the first of the year, you can always do uh, Veganuary, the big challenge, Million Dollar Veganism, another one that in January will give you, you know, you can sign up and get lots and lots of tips, information for free. But also PETA has a free vegan mentor program. So if you're looking to go vegan and need some help, it's free. You can just sign up, go to PETA.org. There are links. There's another link, Ari, that will get you there a little bit faster. But if you just look at the Umbrella website there, and I'm one of the coaches. I think I can't remember how many we have, but they will hook you up with the right coach. You answer a few questions, and then you'll get free support, guidance, et cetera. You can ask questions at any time you want and go from there. So, yeah. So many good resources for you guys. (laughs) Karen, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor to speak with you i i can't thank you enough for spending time with me and and um talking oh, with me so thank well thank you. you for the honor ari i like i said i love 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 talking about this not just writing about it but talking about it too so thank you for the opportunity and the honor and yeah i will look forward to perhaps connecting with some of the listeners if they want to find me on online at all 